Welcome to Career Tools. How to support your boss during change. This cast answers these questions. How should I support my boss's change efforts? When should I support my boss's change efforts? And why should I support my boss's change efforts? Here we go. Raise your hand if you'd like more feedback from your boss. While you can't see it, the virtual audience with whom you are listening to this cast has 90% of their hands raised. Yep, that's what we see at our training sessions and public conferences. Your directs want to hear from you more. If you're a manager struggling with this, let us help. And if you're an HR professional in a place where relationships and professional performance communication aren't the norm, consider bringing manager tools in for organizational training to teach how it can be done. We'll work with up to 30 attendees for a flat $15,000 fee. Contact Maggie at maggie at manager-tools.com for more detailed information. You can put your hands down now. Okay, Wendy, I've come to think of this cast as the anti-cool cast, because the cool thing to do is when your boss puts in new changes, new ideas, needs to innovate, which every organization needs to do almost constantly, uh, it's cool to disagree, to grumble, to complain, to say, I would have done it differently, and so on. And professionals don't do that. Professionals are open and clearly supportive of their boss even when they might have chosen a different path. And to me, this is a great example of being a team player where people talk about being a team player. Oh, I'm a team player. I, you know, I put the team first and then they privately complain and whine and moan about changes and how their life is going to have to be harder and so on. Being a team player is supporting other people in their complaints. (laughs) I never thought of it that way. Yeah, that's totally not cool. Okay, so the anti-cool cast, we're going to recommend that people do the professional thing and support their boss, in part because what goes around comes around, and someday, probably, many of you listeners here are going to be bosses, and you're going to discover that you don't like it when you find out your people are complaining about a completely reasonable change that you have prepared and thought through and talked to them individually about and have a plan for and so on. So, What's our guidance for behavior around how to react and how to support a boss when she introduces change? We're going to talk about not joining the resistance, verbally supporting change, and supporting the change even if your boss is not present. Ooh, that's the tough one. Yeah. So don't join the resistance. I assume by resistance you mean those people who, again, think it's cool to whine, moan, complain. Exactly. All the people that want something not to happen. So over on uh, Manager Tools a while ago, you talked about the ore cart, or as in O-R-E, as in like coal and other things you dig from the ground. And so the uh, analogy is there's a cart in the in the mine and it's uh, we're putting coal in it and they're all but he said in an organization there's no coal there's just people so there's the people who are really for the change and those are the people who are actively pulling the orc out they are moving the status quo they are moving stuff from one place to another place they're the people who are making the change happen then there's the people who are okay with it they're going along with it they're not really helping but they're not really hindering those are the people that are the dead weight inside the the ore cart so they're going to move they are going to change they are going to move from one state to another but they're just not going to help they're going to make it harder but but they're not going to actively work against you yeah 
And then there's the people that are hanging off the back of the cart. And they and are pulling against you. Pulling against you actively, you know, they've got their feet dug into the ground trying to stop the cart from moving. And we see these groups emerge, whether it's a small change, a big change, you know, people get grumpy about changing a spreadsheet, changing the day, night, name of a column on a spreadsheet, which is ridiculous, all the way up to, you know, entirely changing the way somebody works. So you always get these three groups of people. And what we're saying is, don't be the people hanging off the back and don't even be the people in the all cup. Be the people at the front helping the change, leading the change. The people at the back and the people in the middle are the resistance and we want you to not be in the resistance. We want you to be the people who are actively supporting and helping the change happen. The uh, software company startup CEO who gave me the idea of the Orcart said his goal during change efforts was to keep the guy that guys that were working against you from talking and convincing the people in the Orcart to help them. And one of the end results of that, one of the ways to approach that is to do as much as you can about messaging, to make sure that you don't assume that people see things the way you do. Now, to be fair, there's certainly the possibility there are some people who are, who are you know, you, you don't want to be so reactionary that you see the people working against the York cart as somebody who just accidentally does the same old thing. They have muscle memory and they just do it that way because they've always done it that way. And it's been my experience, frankly, that the majority, I wouldn't say the vast majority, but a, but a good hefty majority of uh, individuals will resist change. And there's an awful lot of research that says we're biologically prone to resist change, that it's better, it's easier on us to do things that are the same, that are approved, that are accepted, that we know we won't get in trouble for and so on. Yeah. We wouldn't want you to see this as anybody who does anything not in support of your new effort, if you were a manager, is therefore the resistance. There are times when people do it the old way just because they forgot or uh, it's inadvertent or whatever. We don't want to make this a witch hunt looking for people who do anything that aren't Captain America regarding your new change idea. Um, we're really talking about those people who actively resist and, and who in my opinion, almost worse than active revist, they complain about it. And again, attempt to, if you will, I guess, inveigle the, the people in the ore cart to become resistors as well. So be careful about that. It's not a, a perfectly narrow path that you want them on. There are some room for errors and mistakes. But even so, there will probably still be people who are actively resisting. Yeah, there's the people who deliberately don't do it, whatever it is the new way, and then there's the people who are supporting it, are generally positive about the change, but then just really accidentally, not pretend accidentally, really accidentally just do something, you know, accidentally the wrong way. And they'll do it once, and when you say it, they say, oh, God, I'm so sorry, I knew we were supposed to do it that way, I'm, I'm going to try harder. And you know that those people are really with you, it's just that, you know, Human beings are human beings, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you would, you know, you trust yourself on that. And I'm, I'm making the mistake now of putting myself in the head of the manager. Um, this is, of course, a career tools cast. But look, if you're the guy who inadvertently makes a mistake, that's okay. Apologize to your boss. But if you're one of the people who the agenda changes for a standing meeting 
And some people don't like it, and they accidentally print out the old agenda, and they forget to prepare according to the new agenda, and then they skip over the new parts of the agenda, and they say, oh, sorry, you know, I, yeah, I'm just used to the old way. Okay, at some point, you get to make that decision. You don't want to have a hair trigger, but the person who does three things and doesn't appear to be actively engaged in supporting the change I think of those people as passive aggressive. I find them almost worse. Like they're going to knowingly do it and they're going to dare you to do it. Of course, mm -hmm. unfortunately, as my team will tell you, <laughs> don't dare me. It's like that line I sometimes say to everybody when people say, okay, we need to do this differently. Let's do X. And somebody says, are you sure? <laughs> don't ever ask me. Don't ask Mark if he's sure. He's sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I may be wrong. I'm wrong often. I'm sure. Okay, so we're trying to get a sense of, we, we're, we're helping people understand what the resistance is. What else about the resistance? There's one thing I think that people really don't understand, or they, they don't, they don't think through their resistance far enough, right? It, when when somebody suggests a change, they're just against it and they don't think about it. But here's, it, this is a really Machiavellian thing, way to think about things. I like Machiavelli, so that's good. If your instant response to change is, I'm not going to do it, I don't want to do it, think about this. If a team gives a change a fair shake, right, they try it with good nature, they explain it to others as something worth trying, maybe they suggest a couple of tweaks to make it more successful, you know, they are generally positive, generally trying to do it, and the idea doesn't work. The most managers will say, okay, that, that was an idea that didn't work right? We tried it. It didn't work. Let's go back to the old way or let's do something else. But if the team were working actively against the changes, they were not trying, they were not doing it. They were deliberately getting in the way, being in the resistance, forgetting to do it the right way, forgetting in inverted commas, then the manager can't see that the experiment was a failure. They don't know whether it was a failure because nobody tried to do it. And so if you don't want the change. If you think the change is a bad idea and is going to result in bad things, then the most sensible thing to do is actually give it a fair shake, give it a fair crack of the whip. Let it, let it fail. And then let it fail, right? Or you might find out that actually it's a change that does work and you end up happier, which I think happens a lot more than people think. But if the change hasn't been given a fair shake, it's easy for the manager to say, it's not the idea, it's the team. Whereas if you do it, give it with a fair shake, it's the idea, and the team did their best. Yeah, I, I, I feel the need to say two things here. One, first, I need, to, I need to translate for people. I'm afraid I waited too long to do it, but I was enjoying what you were saying. For those of you Americans who heard Wendy say inverted commas, you might also know that as me saying Joey air quotes, which is just put your uh, both your hands in the air, make the V sign, and then move your index and middle fingers up and down. As it, she is suggesting that it was something fake, uh, as in, uh, yes, I love that, while, of course, doing air commas. So that's what British inverted commas are. Secondly, there's another part of this, which in the last 25 years hasn't gotten reported very well, but I suspect in the next 25 years, like so many things for which there are multiple points of view that support different uh, positions that th it will swing back the other way. But for now, 
We're living in a, a very individualistic corporate world where everyone is talking about even individual rights in the workplace, which are surprisingly limited, even in a free society. And everyone should be in a job that's creative and everything else. And I, you know, I read that you should be in a job that's creative. I said, well, but who's going to make copies before they make the copy robot? Actually, I think you could probably be creative about making copies, but regardless, there is a side that says for the vast majority of managers, they are good people trying to do their best. And if Wendy's my boss and she decides we're going to do X, the idea that I could resist her is a, a surprisingly arrogant thing for me to think. And no one should be surprised, uh, despite what they read about you, you deserve a job that's creative, that allows your voice to be heard. That's another thing. Your voice should be heard. Well, usually that's before a change happens. And, you know, we don't, managers aren't required to get unanimous approval and consent before they try something new or different or make a change. And if you think it's okay to actively resist, I have to tell you, among the vast majority of managers I know who are truly exceptional, they wouldn't tolerate it for a minute. Now, that's not to say that those exceptional managers aren't doing a lot of things right up front. And it's certainly possible that your boss is not having one-on-ones with you. She's not trying to build relationships. She's not telling you about things in advance and so on. And unfortunately, even then, your resistance is still unprofessional and borderline unethical. Now, look, if you have a matter of conscience, by all means, stand up. Uh, if you can't get satisfaction, if you can't go through chain of command, if you can't use open door, quit the organization. But 99.9999999999% of things that happen in the workplace are not ethical disagreements. They're disagreements about things which the boss gets to decide. And if you're a longtime employee who thinks I know more than the boss, and so I'm just not going to do that, it's no wonder organizations are dysfunctional. It's amazing how, oh, it's always them. It's always the boss. You know, they're the ones, they're the ones responsible for everything around here. Actually, yes, but you are too. I mean, there's shared responsibility in organizations. That's one of the things that makes organizations great, the ability to share responsibility. So yeah, I agree with you. The Machiavellian approach is like, you know, okay, go along, find out whether or not it works. Uh, do you want a better organization or not? Or do you just want to be in a place where you get to do what you want to do without any bumps, hiccups, wrinkles, anything like that? In which case, start your own company. Yes, exactly. If you don't know it, part of our business here, which we never dreamed would happen, is providing training to corporations, many of them just like yours, effective manager training, effective communication training, and effective hiring training. All three of them we commit to you will be some of, if not the best, management and professionally related training you'll ever go to. If you think your company could benefit, reach out to us, Maggie at manager-tools.com, and we'll be happy to have a discussion with you. So next, verbally support change. This is, you know, you've got three groups. You've got people who, okay, the bosses have supported a change. And now we've got the ore cart. I've got the ore cart in my head. A great start to the cast, by the way. 
And um, you got the people that are verbally disagreeing. You've got people in the middle. And then you've got the people who say, yeah, I like this idea. Yes. So when your boss introduces something new, we want you to be agreeable. Uh, we want you to verbally support the change in the meetings and with your colleagues. So saying, saying things like, I can see why we want to change that. I can see that that might make things better. That seems like a step worth taking. I can see the advantages of that method or... I can see why you want to change that. Or I know that that process hasn't been working and this seems like a a way that we might try. You don't have to be, you know, gung-ho. Oh my gosh, this is the best idea you've ever had. You just have to be willing to make the change and to say that out loud. This is a case of subordinating yourself to the team. This is what HR means when they say being a team player. Okay. Now, HR also says, no offense to HR, well, your voice should be heard. Well, if there was three months of planning and your your idea wasn't chosen, we went with option B versus your option A, your voice has been heard. Mm-hmm. Organization is not a democracy. And so now, once the decision is made, as Drucker would say, a decision is not just a choice between options, but a plan and, and actions to, to put it or, or a tasks to put it into action, now you're actively resistant. I, I would argue you're almost actively resisting even if you're passive in the meeting and there have been discussions about it before. Yeah, if you say nothing in the discussion period, you're not helping. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you put it best in the show notes. And folks, if you don't know, if you're just joining us, we have show notes for every single cast, what you're hearing Wendy and I talk about is on paper, 98% of it. It's not a transcript. It's a white paper that tells you everything, all the guidance we're giving, minus the stories, minus my story of Joey air quotes and so on. So it's easy to read because you ever, if you've ever tried reading a transcript, you know, it's impossible. It's horrible. Can you imagine a transcript of what I'm saying right now? I've got five different layers of thought on top of one another, but because of tone of voice and speed and so on, you can follow all of this, I would hope. So uh, I'm referring to the show notes, which Wendy and I have in front of us as we're recording. And um, the thing that I like in it is, it says, being a team player isn't a state of mind. It's a set of behaviors. It's things you do. What's interesting about that is it says, being a team player. Being is a state of mind or uh, um a state of belief, but I would remind you, whenever you hear being a team player, it's uh, doing a team player or doing what team players do. So being a team player is not just a state of mind. It's a set of behaviors. And one of those behaviors is speaking up in support of new change. That's just one of the givens in great organizations. I can't tell you the number of times. It just doesn't get reported on. It doesn't get talked about the number of times where in TV shows and movies that you watch where there's a group and there's a boss and uh, there's a discussion and then it goes one way. And I suspect many of you, if you're watching a team that's the team of good guys, the one person who disagrees, who didn't get her way, his way, and then pouts or doesn't support it, you don't like them. Well, if you're not careful, that's you. That's you. Yeah. Yeah. And look, look, let's be clear. A lot of people in the resistance don't realize they have very little power to affect what the boss is advocating. Now, some people have more than others, and some people think, oh, I don't like this. I'll kill it. 
you know, I'll just play flavor of the month and I'll drag my feet and so on. But if you've listened to our cast on the three types of power, which I pretty sure Wendy is in our hall of fame, right? Yes, it is. There's role power, there's expertise power, and there's relationship power. Role power is the ability to get things done. It's granted by your organization. Okay. Expertise power is the ability to accomplish things because others trust your knowledge enough to come to you for help or guidance. And then they actually use your recommendations. <laughs> uh, it's not enough to think that you're smart to have expertise power. And then relationship power is the ability to persuade other people through trust that they'll work for you because they know you and trust you, believe in you, and so on. And obviously, we recommend relationship power. And it's the one type of power where the person who does the task feels like they decided to do the task, okay, rather than being told to do it or being shamed into doing it the one way that works if you're an expertise, if you're an expert. Now, if I'm your boss and I have good trust with you and we have a good relationship because we communicate well, I'm working on our relationship and therefore I'm gaining relationship power, which is the coin of the realm. Uh, it may cause my directs to think they have more influence than just communicating with me that in light of the trust I've shown you, therefore you can miss the fundamental principle that there is preparation for, consideration of, and then a decision. And once the decision's made, as we have a cast about, you murder the unchosen alternative. And you don't get to use the relationship power more than briefly or once to say, to come back to me and say, well, I, I don't agree. I don't want to do this. I think you should reconsider. So if you're somebody who says, oh, I, I, my boss trusts me, I disagree with this. I'm going to go back to the well. You actually could do that, but you would have to do so while you're supporting the new change. And you should have actually go back and say, look, I, I'd like another bite at the apple. And you have to assume there's a very good chance you're not going to be uh, successful. And you're still obligated to behave like professional. And that means to be, at minimum, verbally supportive of the change. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a trusting relationship with your boss, if, if you and I have a, a trusting relationship, which we do because we've been doing one a month for 10 years, and we have a good relationship where we can communicate and I feel like you can you listen to me and you take my things on board, I can be fooled almost into thinking that I have as much influence over decisions as you do. Right, but because yes. because it always feels like I'm having that discussion and and I'm an equal part of the discussion. But when it comes down to it, just because you've used relationship power, you know, and we've we've discussed a whole bunch of things, when it comes down to it, if there's a change that you want to make as my manager, as my boss, you get to make it, and I only get to follow along. I, I was saying this to someone the other day and completely shocked them. It's Mark's company. He pays me. He gets to decide what I do all day. And they were, oh my gosh, like, yeah. th that doesn't sound very, that doesn't sound very nice. Like he was in the army. He obviously thinks he's an officer still. It's like, no, no. that's not, that's <laughs> not it. That's not it. <laughs> you know, there's just a point at which he gets to be king and make the decision every now and again. And just because you've got that relationship with your boss, don't be fooled into thinking that whenever you don't like something or whenever you don't want that change, that you get an equal say on whether or not it happens. 
When it comes down to it, your boss can use role power and just make the decision. Well, that conversation is a good example of this whole, oh, it's individual and you should have a say and you, you should be able to do what you want to do. I mean, obviously, you can do what you want to do and you go start your own company and do whatever you want. And I hope it's incredibly successful. I mean, just the, the knee-jerk, strong reaction of, oh, my gosh, it can't be that way. You couldn't even at that point convince that person that they're wrong by saying, well, you tell me, how much, oh, let's do this. I've never done this with you about this topic on air, but on a scale of zero to 100, 100 being vicious micromanagement and zero being no oversight at all, what would you grade me as a boss? Somewhere between five and 10. Yeah, I was going to say, it better be single digits. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. People say, oh, no, you, you know, you, you know, your boss doesn't necessarily have to pay the piper. Well, because of our trust, we set some general guidelines and let you do it the way you want to do it. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. And we don't say, okay, I need three hours on this, one hour on this, 15 minutes on that. And by the way, I'll be reviewing in detail your work to make sure that you're matching the priorities and so on. No, we trust each other. You trust me to make good decisions about the company, and I trust you to do the right things within the broad guidance we have of getting where we need to go. But in today's world, it's almost a badge of honor to be the resistance. We all have a voice. We're all individuals. Yeah, we are, but the organization doesn't work if we're all individuals all the time, and there's no decision-making authority vested in certain people. Okay, support the change even if your boss isn't present. Right. Support your boss even when they're not present. You shouldn't be afraid to say something to your colleagues who are complaining, even if it's only, look, if you were the boss, you'd want us to support you. Right. Think of it that way. You know, let's let's just go along with her or let's let's give it a good go. Because, you know, it when we're in that position, when we get promoted, we'll want our team to do what we're asking them to do, even when you know, we may think that it's going to fail. That's yeah, karma. What goes around comes around. Yeah. And again, if every single time we believe that our agreement is required for support, think how quickly organizations break down. If I don't agree, I don't have to support. Actually, yeah, you do. It's a rule. I don't know that there's a horseman's law for it, but it's a rule. Now, look, I think people are going to say, oh, I'm going to be seen as a suck-up, right? I'm obsequious. I'm sycophantic. Again, not cool that it's not cool, that actually cool now is to be part of the resistance because you're a warrior for your point of view kind of thing. And I think what some people would say is, well, I don't have my own idea, but I think I need to defend the status quo. What worked yesterday should work today and so on. So we're telling people, yeah, you should do the right thing, not the cool thing. And if you are perceived that way, now you're just sucking up. I would argue there's probably a bunch of other things going on that would cause somebody to say that. I would say, regardless, we would still recommend that you run the risk of being thought that way. Mm -hmm. If you think about it logically, there's, there's three possible paths. You can be unsupportive of your boss, to their face and when they're not there. And that's joining the resistance. And we've already told everybody, don't do that. And then there's being supportive to your boss's face and being unsupportive behind their back when they're not or there. And that's just nasty and unethical 
and relationship destroying and not just your relationship with your boss, but your relationships with your coworkers. Because if you'll be nice to your boss's face and nasty behind oh, yeah. their back, yeah. your coworkers will believe naturally that you will do the same to them. Yeah. You've thought the same thing of them when they're all polite in a meeting and they come back and like, wow, man, I can't count on that guy. What he says publicly, it's all a sham. Exactly. And that only leaves you with the right path, which is being supportive of your boss when she's there and when she's not there. And that's what we want. Yeah. And I'll say it again. If you ever wanted to be a boss and you think it's okay to be smiley to your boss and then privately join the resistance because you want the association of your colleagues when they're complaining about their boss, be careful what you wish for. Smile at people on your way up because you'll see them on your way back down. I like Jenny Blake's phrase, which is, change is inevitable, we might as well get good at it. Look, it's easy, guys, sort of summarizing here. When your boss changes something, be verbally supportive. When you are uh, with your colleagues, be supportive. When they call you names, say, you know what? Okay, that's what you want to call me. I can see why this is a good thing to do. And when they then tell you, uh, well, you actually recommended B versus A, and the boss chose A. I said, yeah, I'm not going to get everything all the time. That'd be, that'd be crazy. This company is not about me. That's part of what collaborating is. Part of being a team player is losing sometimes and supporting the winning decision. If five of us have five different ideas and the boss has a sixth and she chooses her way, are all five of us going to say no and cross our arms? No, we're not. And do five other different things? That would be chaos. Look, what the boss is asking for is not an ethical violation. Good people of good standing can have a genuine disagreement about this, but organizations are not set up to foment disagreement. So I've made a decision that I had a point of view. I made my best pitch. I lost. I'll win next month, maybe, or the month after that, but I'm not going to sit around here and pout that I lost. I don't want to go through life that way. And if I'm going to be a manager someday, I might as well recognize that I'm going to want people to be able to support me because I trust them. And they know that even if they lose a battle in the long run, they think that I have good ideas and it'll turn out for the better. And don't tell me I'm just doing it because the boss wants it that way. I'm willing to, to say to you, I'm on board with this. Simple as that. You know, if the world changes and all I do is complain about how things used to be, what things I wanted and didn't get and so on, I know people like that. I don't like people like that. <laughs> That's a pretty miserable life. Yeah. Guys, again, change is inevitable. You may not know this, but if you're early in your career, some of the managers you're working for now were working before email was really common in organizations. Outlook was first developed in 1998. So anybody over 40 worked in companies without email. And, you know, maybe it's over 40 seems ancient to you. Typing messages on a typewriter and triplicate, hand delivering them around the office seems really prehistoric. But I remember that. I'm nearly 60. They'll probably roll their eyes when they told they had to move to email. I just read an article about a year or two ago in the journal about organizations going away from Excel and people have all these hacks and, and shortcuts and templates and things for Excel and they don't want to give up Excel and so on. 
I worked for a manager for a while who didn't like email and would have me print the email, write his response, and then have me send the reply. Yeah. And then that he complained that he didn't have enough time to get everything done. Yeah, of course. And so those people complained about email and they complained about shared calendaring, many people, and they complained about Excel, about Excel going away for a better system in some cases. And yet history has rolled by them like an army of steamrollers to quote Field of Dreams. So change is going to happen. We need to get good at it. And part of being good at it is recognizing that you don't get to get your way all the time. And even if you don't get your way, you don't get to pout. And what that means, the end result of that in organizational speak is being a team player means verbally supporting your boss, not being two-faced. And so if you're going to verbally support your boss, you're going to support her privately as well. And you're not going to withhold your best work efforts. You're going to make a genuine effort to change. And the time to make changes is before the decision is made, not by dragging your feet afterwards. Nobody likes the group that's always dragging against the ore cart. And they don't get anything in terms of pay rises and promotions and all the things, all the benefits we like. Exactly. Thanks for coming over. Okay. Thanks, Wendy. It's my pleasure. Bye, everyone. That's it, everybody. It's good to be back on Career Tools this week. See you next week for more great advice.